Detective Conan was like one of the longest running animes, wasn't it? I think it's still going, isn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> another one I'm not familiar with. Uh, it, it has the same plot every week. Yeah. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah, boy, yeah. Teenage genius turns into a small boy because of a drug, and he has to solve mysteries every week. And he uh, drugs a uh, police inspector and uses uh, a microphone to sound like him to solve the case every week. Hmm. Every time, every week, except for the odd episode where they uh, switch up the formula, they change it to uh, the one blonde girl. <laughs> and of course, once every thirteen episodes, there's a clip show. Uh, I don't think they, if they've done that, they haven't done it in within the first 100 episodes. Yeah. Because that's, that's about as far as I've gotten. Yeah. It seems like as you hit episode 13, it's a clip show. Yeah. In the, this, this thing just can't die. The Texas <laughs> Conan can't die. It's like, it was called, it was actually brought over here briefly until, uh, nec- until the network execs realized, oh my God, we got it. We translate how many episodes? <laughs> Well, Funimation is still going on it. Yeah. I, I thought Funimation gave up, and I'm like, no, there are new DVDs coming out. I live right down the road from Funimation. Oh. It's in a, it's in a, uh, it's in a Compass Bank building, so it's not exactly as glamorous as you might imagine. Mm. I've been in the offices. They interviewed me for a job once. Not as a voice actor, as a graphic designer. Never been within a reasonable distance of any animation studio of any sort. Well... Funimation is an animation studio. It's a dubbing place. Oh, now well, close enough. Some of them think they're animation studios. Look what happened with Gotchaman. Yeah. Of gotcha. course, I, I was watching that when it was news, but then I'm the old man here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, as I told Neil, you are the um, Macross expert, so. Or as close okay. as you're going to find. I realize, however, from just from chatting with you folks, that I've probably seen less anime than either of you. Well, but this is just about what my... I've seen is older stuff and science fiction related. Mm. Well, well, that's that's the kind of stuff that I like. Yeah, it's a Neil's favorite era was what he calls the Blade Runner era, which is basically uh, Bubblegum Crisis, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Uh, we're gonna have to cross Ghost in the Shell off of that list because that's that's getting into Mamoru Oshii. Uh, full of himself. Look at this boring dog shit that I don't really count as the uh, the the uh, cyberpunk era. I, I'm I think of more the the noir fun stuff where it's like two girls in space bikinis solving cases and stuff like that. Yeah, so he likes he likes the original dirty pair. Whereas the stuff that I watched was things like Gotchaman and yeah. Macross and Golion or Voltron. Yeah. You might know it by that name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we're starting talking to Mock Macross, so you might as well start the show. Well, hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we will be talking about that well-known and beloved space opera anime with giant robots and the attempt to use culture to stop a war. Of course I am talking about Martian successor Nadesco. What? <laughs> no, oh, no, you don't. Uh, we're really talking about Macross and Robotech. It's, it, it's just that I couldn't resist. And uh, tonight we have joining us, of course, my co-host, the TV's Mr. Neil. You can still fight when you're drunk. And uh, Timothy Groves. Good day. Yes. So, honestly, the only thing I really saw was Do You Remember Love? And other than the image of a 
guy being violently decapitated while Min May sings. There's not much else I could add to this, other than there's nothing that quite fits Min May singing as a man being violently decapitated. I was going to say much the same myself. I think that that gentleman got off lucky. He did not get to hear the rest of the song. Choo choo. Wrong song. Oh, right. That was the in the opening of the movie. Before she had a boyfriend as a pilot, I might add. Uh, oh, yeah. In the movie continuity, yes. Of course, they didn't pay much attention to the, uh, to the anime continuity when they made that movie. They were just more concerned with, hey, we've got a bigger budget now. Let's spend some of it. And boy, did they. It was beautiful to look at. It was. It was an outstanding piece of, uh, piece of artwork. Yes. So I'll let, the, I'll let both of you sort of fight about who should start with Robotech before we get into Macross, because Robotech is what our audiences would be more familiar with. Well, I just wanted to roll through uh, the history of Robotech really quick. I'm not going to do what I did last time, which was to bore our guests and myself to death. So uh, basically it started with, uh, with Macross being, being uh, ported over to the States by Harmony Gold. And Carl Masick uh, saw what they were doing, and he uh, informed, them, informed them that this was marketable and they could put it on TV, but they needed 65 episodes for a syndicated run. So to do that, they had to get more episodes. Uh, so they took two other shows and merged it with Macross. They took uh, Genesis, Climber, Mosquita, and Southern Cross. Cavalry, Southern Cross. Yes, that is it. And uh, they they subtracted a lot of concepts. They added a lot of concepts. They though the biggest one that got uh, altered was the concept of protoculture. They uh, in Macross, the protoculture was the sort of the, the culture that predated uh, both the humans and the Zentradi. In Robotech, it's magical fuel slash super science slash flowers, and nobody really has a solid definition of it. This ran for 85 episodes because they used every single episode of all three series, plus they added one. They combined uh, footage from Macross and Southern Cross into like a, into like a clip show. Of, a, a Franken episode. If you yeah, will. a Franken episode, which was a, which was a, uh, a retelling of the single worst episode of Macross, the, the episode where Max and Miria meet and have a knife fight in the park, and there are little stars coming out of their knives because <laughs> it got animated at Anime Friend instead of Tatsunoko. And, uh, the the series was a uh, was you know a success for uh, for uh, for Harmony Gold. Uh, if it was in Chicago, I didn't see it on the air. I, I think I saw episodes on a on a VHS copy of like a friend of mine, and I just sat there wondering why is Jetfire in the wrong cartoon? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? We get this Skyfire crap. They get the real Jetfire. I don't understand. But the Skull Squadron thing looked pretty cool. And I'm then... For a Generation 1 Jetfire toy. For that very reason. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, well, the series ends on kind of a cliffhanger slash uh, controversy because Rick Hunter, uh, in, in the original end of Mospita, the, the, uh, the space fleet that comes in to save the day is actually uh, just there to annihilate Invid, and they're willing to wipe out the entire planet to uh, to get rid of him. 
And the invids see this coming and they're like, we're out of here. Screw you guys. You are mean. We're gone. <laughs> and they t and as they take off, they 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 take out these uh, earth killing missiles with them, you know, just to show them that they're not completely sore at them. We're going to save you even though you're bastards. In Robotech, Admiral Hunter orders that barrage and it's completely glossed over. He's still treated as a hero, even though he was going to wipe out the entire Earth. And that's the end of Robotech, except that it isn't, because they tried to do a sequel, which was The Sentinels. And all The Sentinels was was a three-episode aborted series where uh, Rick and Lisa get married, and across the galaxy, the Invid are engaged in a war with the Bioroids. And nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens, and then all of a sudden we're back at the end of uh, Mospita, only we're in the Shadow Chronicles. And uh, the less said about that, the better. All, all you need to know about it is uh, uh, the, they took the Borg Queen, took her head off, and put, a, put the, the computer eye from a 2001 Space Odyssey on it instead, and put a put a uh, a hooded cloak on it and called it a, a hate night or something. And there are boobs everywhere, and that's about all you need to know. And that is the history of Robotech, because Warner Brothers came along and with Tobey Maguire in tow, they bought up the movie rights. Uh, the animated series is in hiatus. The uh, the movie deals in limbo, and nothing is happening with Robotech. So. Just watch Macross. Did anyone have anything else to say? The longer that nothing happens with a live-action Robotech starring Tommy McGuire, the happier I am. <laughs> there, there's one little note. There's one little note. It's, uh, it's a little note that not many people know, but it's kind of interesting because uh, there was a time, a very brief time, when the, when the license holders of, Macro of Robotech tried to talk to the people who were doing uh, ExoSquad and tried to talk them into making ExoSquad the prequel to Robotech. <laughs> yes, I had the toys for that, actually. Yeah. yeah, it did make it into the toy line. It did not make it into the show. That would have been so, so sweet just to watch Robotech fans have a conniption. What are they doing? Yes. They're taking our childhood and raping it. There would have been aneurysms all over the place. Yeah. Not in a pretty scene. <laughs> As it is, as far as it got, it was nice because it got me a chance to buy four Destroids. Um, and this is a toy line that has not been seen before or since. There was simply no way you could buy a Destroid without plunking down $200 for a plastic model kit straight from Japan. Damn. So that was, that was sweet. I'm glad it went no further. Yeah. I really am. <laughs> and, spe and speaking of the model kits, that's where the Robotech uh, name comes from. It was the model kit company Revel. Uh, the model kit company had the name Robotech. They... They had the models for Macross, but they didn't have the name Macross, so they couldn't. Uh, there was some kind of legal thing where they couldn't market it as Macross. So when when uh, Harmony Gold came along, they said, "Look, we can't use this name. So if you're going to tie in the show, you have to name the show Robotech." And since they already had merged three shows together, it was just a, it was just it just worked out for everyone. So that's how it came to be. Well, they had one small legal advantage when it came to merging those three shows together. All three were owned by Tatsunoko Studios. Yeah. Two of them were actually made by the same animation studio, Studio New. Yeah. But Mosquito was not. It was the oddball. Yeah. And uh, because of that, the, the, uh, 
the toy models for Mossbeater are the only I think are the only ones that that Harmony Gold legally can use. So that's why that's why uh, the Shadow Chronicles only has uh, the later the later jets, and they, you'll never see the Valkyries in any late uh, Robotech franchise if any more get made. So, uh, so Neil, it's uh, which version was it? Was it Robotech or Macross? Where where you mentioned Max was totally all smooth. Oh well, I I made an analogy last week, and I'm going to amend that. In Robotech, he was kind of nerfed. He was Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles, and <laughs> and I'm talking the 1980s Ninja Turtles. In Macross, he was Han Solo. He was just. He, he he got into a knife fight with Miria. Here's this badass warrior from another from another planet, and he knocks the knife out of her hand and just smacks on her. And she's like, "Oh my goodness!" Oh, and the, and like, I think at the end, I think it was the end of that very episode. They decide to get married. Now I recall the uh, the earlier meeting with them in the arcade, and I had watched Robotech first, of course, because everybody did who lives in North America, and. The scene in which they were fighting it out in the arcade over the video game machine, and he's staring across the table at her, sappily thinking, "Gosh, she's beautiful." Yeah, and that's just... a bit of a shock when I watched Macross because the same scene when he's looking across the table at her, what he's thinking is, "Bust is about a thirty-eight C. Will expand slightly when unwrapped." <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> and I was like, "This, this is a completely different Max than I grew up expecting." <laughs> Max and Macross is wonderful. <laughs> well, it, to be fair, in Do You Remember Love, right after Max finished eviscerating her, and he finally saw her, he says, beautiful. <laughs> which yeah. nothing, and The thing is, he actually ends up with her in the movie, which shows, you know, putting a couple of superfluous holes in the woman doesn't stop chances of romance. <laughs> what I found particularly amusing about that is that they actually ran the micronization machines backwards. They grew him to giant size. Because they, he, needed body a, he needed a body to fit his ego. Yeah. He was, he was definitely much more egotistical in, in uh, Macross. Like you said, it was, it was more like Han Solo, right down to the attitude. He claimed <laughs> in his uh, the first episode he appeared in that they're going to jump him from private to general overnight. He was perfectly serious. Okay. <laughs> well, I have an awful lot to say about the differences between the two. Definitely, Max's character got nerfed. There's no doubt about that. Um, most of the characters did, however, to some degree or another. Uh, starting with Minmay. Oh, God. Oh, everybody, oh, God. Everybody loves to hate Minmay. But how many people have actually heard her sing in the original Japanese? She's quite good, believe she, it or not. She, she is, it's, but her character's a cock tease and a bitch. Oh, gosh, you're giving her credit. Let's <laughs> <laughs> mean her tomorrow. She is a useless waste of carbohydrates and water. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, that, her finest moment would have been if Rick had just opened the cockpit in episode three and chucked her out in deep space. That would have made the whole series so much better. They could find somebody else to sing. <laughs> Well, like I said last week, that that scene where they're locked up in that in that uh, in that abandoned part of the Macross, she's she's just playing with his emotions the whole time. And then the moment they're rescued, she completely ignores him. Oh yeah, drops him like third period French. <laughs> and then when it looks like he and Misa are getting together, uh, she's back in his lap. 
Oh yes. Oh Rick, let's get married. You know, even in the English version where they did they did dumb her down a little bit. And they in some ways it made her personality more tolerable, just as they killed her voice. You still wanted to put a bullet right between her eyes. <laughs> and yet you had the sinking feeling it wouldn't improve anything. What's really funny is that you know, Tim mentioned the sing the singing in the songs. It's uh, one of the most famous songs in Macross is My Boyfriend is a Pilot and you know, Min May never sang it in Robotech, but she did mention the song. Yeah, there's this mystery line that they just threw in there. She goes, I wrote a new song. It's called it's called My Boyfriend's a Pilot. Isn't that dumb? And that's in Robotech. That line is nowhere in Macross. And I don't know <laughs> why they did that. I'm not sure I can pin down the exact moment. I could probably tell you why. And it probably has to do with the fact that she said something much more vicious and catty. And <laughs> I, I, I think so. I well, think it's was, like she was, she was terrible. She was she was an awful, awful person in Macross. <laughs> I think it was uh, some point after Rick had joined the military. Finally, yeah, I know it was like smack dab in the middle of the series. Yeah, probably oh. after she had already attained her her uh, claim to fame. One line actually was preserved by Jack McKinney, and I know that mentioning Jack McKinney's name will also produce storms of hatred from the Robotech community, but. <laughs> He did preserve one line from Macross, and the uh, scene where Rick is taking her to uh, to visit her parents he's, uh, in, her, in this little airplane. In the book, she comments, you seem to be a much nicer person now than when I first met you. This did not appear in the Robotech series. It appeared in the original Macross, and Jack McKinney preserved this line when he wrote the novelization, and I think it really does sum her up. She just completely forgets that he saved her life three times in the space of 24 hours and then put up with her whining and complaining when they were stuck in the Macross. Just forgets it completely, like it didn't even happen. <laughs> well, this brings us to the next point. You know, the, uh, the Zentradi, the, the biggest thing about Zentradi is their, their species is basically the war of the sexes. Depending on your source, yeah. <laughs> it ranges from distrust and uh, lack of cooperation in the series to the outright war that you see in uh, DYRL. Yes. Zentrons spend more fi time fighting each other than they do the humans in, in the movie. But in the series, it's just more like they're different branches of the same general service. And they, there's professional respect, but no real trust between them. It, it's the point where the women and the men don't procreate like humans. Yeah, they, they'd already stated, yes, that they used cloning. In fact, they had no idea about human sexuality. I yeah. have my own theories on that. I've covered it in fan fiction. I'm not going to rehash it here. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, is in Trotty, all the males are bald, but the women have luscious, long, flowing locks. Not all the males are bald. All three of the spies that were uh, put aboard uh, the Macross were, had hair, quite a bit of it. And uh, so did Chiron. Kanjin in the original Japanese. But, uh, yeah, most of the women had very long hair, and that made little to no sense for a warrior race. That's just giving somebody something to grab. Well, from how Max is sizing it up, there were more things to grab. Yep. That much was I obvious. I don't think he was thinking about hair. <laughs> Unless he was from behind. <laughs> 
but there's an awful lot about their society as presented, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think we can sum it up by saying they were trying to focus on some things to make them appear alien enough, but they had to conform to our society, or Japanese society more accurately, to keep them from seeming too alien that you couldn't identify with them. And in okay. the and ultimately to where they could be integrated. Exactly. Like for example, one thing that puzzled me is that Zentradi wear these, this this uniform that covers them, literally from the cheekbones right down to the floor. I mean, it includes gloves, uh, these high-necked collars, cloaks for the officers. It's like they're trying to shroud every part of their body. And I couldn't help but think, why? They're a segregated society. The males and the females don't even live on the same ships. They don't even believe they're the same species. Why would they go to this extreme? The answer is, of course, you can't have naked alien giants running around on television <laughs> on a kid's show. <laughs> and I think a lot of the series followed this pattern of we have to try and make some stuff make sense. But at the same time, we can't go overboard with it because we'll just lose the audience. That's cer that's certainly true. It's interesting to to look at these series. And an interesting note is they act. There actually is a dub of Macross proper in English, where where who they have doing Minmay's voice in English. Uh, I don't know the name of the actress. I'm pretty sure it's the same. It's the original Minmay. Because she, because oh, oh, you're talking about you're talking about the ADV dub, yeah, yeah, and uh, okay. because it, through because in the last couple of decades she actually learned English, yeah, yeah. What I was referring to is even before Robotech, uh, Carl Masick, in order to pitch the idea to Harmony Gold, produced a VHS cassette of the first three or four episodes of Macross, and he he translated it proper without all the uh, protoculture. Uh, flowers of life crap and that sold really really well in heavy metal magazine because that's where he was working at the time yes. to be fair you could do those six episodes and even stay true to robotech and not have to mention any of that stuff that is true it's worth pointing out that tatsunoko looked at what he did with the flowers of life and protoculture crap and said actually that's better than our ideas <laughs> oh they applaud yeah. Yeah, in the in the next episode, I I will be defending uh, Carl Masick a bit because he is responsible for Streamline Pictures, and he outsold all of those other anime companies in the in the mid '90s, and he didn't he didn't do subtitles at all. So eat that, you anime motherfuckers. Neil hates what he calls sub snobs because. Because uh, he thinks the anime is best watched dubbed because he thinks unless the dub is really bad, a dub is the way to go because he doesn't want to read while watching because he thinks it's homework. Well, let, let me amend that because I don't, <laughs> I don't hate people who, who like subtitles. If you like it, that's fine. But in terms, in terms of marketing, in terms of having a successful product, it makes no sense to demand this, this cultural accuracy, this this thing where we have to stay true every bit every bit of the way and not try to go mass market at all by doing subtitles only and and i don't think the japanese really care they they just see it as found money they don't really care that they're absolutely being... as long as they're getting paid what's the problem yeah 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 nobody over there cares so i think they, not... i think they have other things to worry about right now yeah especially just now yes Yes. Yeah. On the subtitle issue, I am definitely one of the sub snobs. 
Well, if I can't get subtitled, I will strongly consider waiting until I can rather than watching the dub. Yeah, However, yeah. it's worth pointing out that this standpoint has been brought about by seeing so many dubs hitting North American television and just wanting to throttle somebody because yeah. some of them are perfectly awful. Yeah, when uh, in uh, the next episode, I will also be talking about uh, ADV's contribution to the dub market and uh, why they're not nearly as good <laughs> as what as what uh, Streamline Pictures was doing. Well, see, the thing that pisses off Neil is when someone talks about the inflections in the voices in the original Japanese. Well, and... well, even even when the dub is good, they'll be like, "Oh, this isn't the same." <laughs> I'm like. Well, what's the problem? This is good. You know, it's it'll be like, okay, we we really don't like Evangelion on this uh, Evangelion on this show, but the the dub for Evangelion is good. That is a good solid dub. I have not seen the dub. On the other hand, I did see the dub of Gundam Wing, and I had to say that one was fairly solid. Yeah. Um, considering what they had to work with, the dub for Robotech for Macross, Mosfiata, and Southern Cross was not half bad, actually. I mean, when you yeah, compare yeah. it to a lot of the other dubs of the time, such as, oh, I don't know, Gatchaman. <laughs> <laughs> Below the belt, Tim. Below the belt. Or how about Tetsuan Adam? Or Astro Boy, as it was called over here? <laughs> Starring Nicolas Cage. Quite frankly, compared to those, Robotech Sean. And that's why so many people loved it. Yeah. It was because here was something, you know, it was, it was different animation. It was a different style. It was a different outlook. You could tell that even as a child, I could tell this was vastly different from mainstream Western animation. It caught on. I mean, like aside from just the uh, the marketing, the sales, and the toys and whatnot. I mean, there there have been role playing games, mm. uh, a couple of them. What, uh, the what was Mech, Mech Warrior uh, game was heavily influenced by it. Okay. Right up until they got sued by Harmony Gold. So what was really the competition uh, against Robotech at the, at the era? Was it mostly filmation shit? It was... Uh, I think the main competition at the time was Transformers. Uh, just because it was the other robot show. Nobody took GoBots seriously. Nope, um, not, not, yeah, and then, and then yeah, this Hasbro is... bought the GoBots and then used them as yeah. cannon fodder in the comics where Leader yeah. One is killed repeatedly in horrifying ways. Yeah. Hasbro bought Tonka and they got the they got the the trademark of the Gobot name. I don't know how they're able to get those Gobot designs in there. They must be they must they must be uh just throwing pennies at the guys who did uh whatever that property was in Japan and just saying, Look, we're gonna we're gonna tear apart your toys in our comics, here's a couple bucks. Actually I'm not even sure the Gobots came out of Japan originally. Uh I know some of them did because Machine Robo was it. Uh if you look up on YouTube, look for uh, I either have to look up Japanese GoBots or maybe you can even find uh, an episode of Machine Robo. You can find you can find an Japanese animation of of uh, Psykill, and he looks completely different. You'll know you'll recognize some of the other uh, some of the B-listers in in GoBots that were actually considered cool in the Japanese version. <laughs> GoBots cool. I I think you sort of broke the universe, Neil. <laughs> Well, it was treated completely differently in Japan. It was not what it was in America. Which was a Transformers uh, ripoff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those of you who grew up in the 80s and thought that GoBots came first, that's wrong. Transformers was always first. Uh, I think uh, 
uh, the original the original uh, line that became the Transformers predated that. So, you know, for Western marketing purposes, however, Gobots was here first. I yeah, always like to paving the way for the proper uh, for the Transformers. Yeah. Like I said, it's just really funny if you can pick up any of the uh, any of the current uh, Transformers comic books. The writers find ways to insert Gobots. Well, they're actually Autobots, but they're the Gobot designs, and they're always horribly mangled and killed by a Decepticon. Yeah, I think Simon Furman just likes to giggle to himself <laughs> as he as he destroys Leader One and Psych Hill over and over. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I recall Transformers being on about the same time as Robotech. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you could really call it competition though, because outside of the television products, there was no no real toy line at the time. That came later for yeah. for Robotech. I mean, yeah. so much so that when when Bandai bought it, sorry, was it Bandai? No, it was the other way around. Anyway, they, they bought the uh, the VF1 molds for Jetfire, which we I think we mentioned earlier on, and yeah. produced it as Jetfire. And the manuals that they shipped with them still showed Gerwalk mode. They, they, they were screaming for Transformers toys, but Robotech toys just weren't heard of. So it's hard to really call it competition. They were they were on at roughly the same time, but it's Robotech was just something different and very different from the standpoint of the viewers, or at least from my standpoint. I can't speak for all the viewers, but I can speak for a fair number of them. There's an interesting artifact in the Transformers series. I don't know which episode it is, but Skyfire does do the Gerwalk mode in the series, and it's one time he lands and his feet come out and the rest of them stay the jet. Oh well, I'll have to look at that then. I yeah, it's. I think it's. It. I think it's in the first season or, or really early in the second season. Well, but he he, land, he he lands on a boat. He was introduced. Yeah. But uh, the the thing is that the cartoon version of Skyfire was noticeably not a VF one. It was definitely a new design, and that's why one reason for the confusion was was when the toy came out, he was again noticeably a different design. Yeah. But the uh, I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I'll have to take a look at that. I've got yeah. pretty much uh, the entire first generation season, uh, sorry, series available. Yeah, on he's not he's not in too many episodes, so you won't be looking uh, very long. Uh, but the other the other part of that was that uh, these shows were also being imported back into Japan. So when Transformers hit the hit the airwaves in Japan. They could not have a Valkyrie showing up in this cartoon, so that I think that was the main issue with taking Skyfire and redesigning him. Mm. Oh, Neil, I almost forgot yes. to mention one thing. My friend Rob would kill me if I didn't mention this one thing. Oh, not the salad. The salad. We have to talk about the salad. <laughs> ben thinks that the salad. Killed. I did. I don't think it. My friend thinks it. he keeps on telling me. You know, if you're going to do a Robotech Macross episode, you have to mention the salad. You have to mention the salad, but you have to mention the salad. Bit. So, Rob, I'm mentioning the salad. That That's an interesting episode because that's that has the single best uh, aerial fight in the entire series between Max and Miria. And what's his name is in that episode. But you get, he's, in, he's in the jet, but he gets shot in the back somehow. And I don't, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> well... It's explained in a little more detail in the Japanese version. There was a lot of shrapnel bouncing around the inside of the jet. The scene where they show them looking into the jet and then they cut away to where, where Roy is to watch him yeah. die, 
the reason that they cut away from there is they show the inside of that jet and there's blood everywhere and there the upholstery is ripped up and there's shrapnel lying around. It's pretty easy to see how he got hit in the back. Oh, okay. In fact, it's a wonder that he's not turned into hamburger from the amount of damage that they show inside that cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll let Neil lead on to the killer salad incident. Oh, yeah. The, the killer's... Uh... Now I'm going to be saying killer salad. The the pineapple salad uh, is allegedly a euphemism for sex. You know, Roy goes in there and says, let's have pineapple salad. And Claudia is like, oh, you know. Well, he sits down and he starts strumming on a guitar and she's making the salad for him. And she turns around and she notices that the playing has stopped. And he's slumped over and she's inconsolable after that. And that's also the episode where... Where uh, after Rick uh, was in a coma and he comes out of it, and the first thing he hears is "your your buddy's dead." That not was like quite. pretty not quite. close to. Well, he comes out of the coma, and Roy comes in and he hands him this toy airplane, like a collection of model airplanes. The one he he really likes, close of course, is the Fokker. And it's almost immediately thereafter that that he gets to see Max and Miria duking it out in the streets of Macross City. And then, yeah, Misa comes in to tell him Roy's dead. Oh, almost, yes. almost immediately thereafter. So he had that one last happy memory, just you know, to have that soiled forever. <laughs> forever. Hmm. Let's let's move on to your favorite part of Macross, Ben, which is that uh, songs and wars. <laughs> well, personally, I think it's I think it's uh, the way that they treat it is kind of ridiculous. And uh, I, I, anyone here who's familiar with uh, Martian Successor Nadesco, instead of using music as the bridge for the war, they used they used a classic uh, anime, a fake anime called Geki Gengar Three. And instead of Geki Gengar Three uniting the people, it just makes the it just makes the bad guys even more resolved to kill the humans. Which is no less silly than the idea of Minmay is going to stand on a stage, sing a song, and all the aliens are going to go home now. Yes. <laughs> the Which, idea yeah, I have to agree is just about the silliest thing to come out of that series and there were a fair amount of silly involved yeah. in Macro. The idea I mean, there the, is the concept of transforming fighters is silly enough. Yeah. <laughs> Why not throw in let's have the heroine sing a song and the aliens all go away. I mean if Min May sings a song I'm going away. But... <laughs> <laughs> but still, the idea is to think that it's going to make a, an entire war grind to a halt. Yes. I've written a couple of Macross fanfics over the years, and it's one thing I've always had trouble wrapping my head around is how do I explain how on earth this is going to work? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's really funny is in Do You Remember Love when they found a little Minmay doll and started singing, all, all the Zentradi warriors are, oh my god, it's, it's sound warfare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it's classic. Like Noriega. That was the series, not the movie. In the movie, it was uh, Misa found the uh, words to the song it was buried a, in, a, uh, in was, an alien city in the Pacific Ocean or some silly it, place. Like, well, it's an ancient song that actually has a lot of cultural and cultural significance to humans, centrality, protoculture, and everything. And it's a it's a love song, and it's a love song that started the whole damn war and everything like that. So I I, I can at least, at least you know. Stretch my imagination up to almost accept it, kind of, sort of, maybe a little. Yes, but lest we forget, Do You Remember Love was fiction within fiction itself. 
it was a movie made about Space War One that the heroes went and watched. And Lin mm-hmm. Minmay was played in that movie by Lin Minmay. So even even within the Robotech continuity, such as it is, or Macross continuity, whichever you want to look at, that movie's not canon. It's something else. It's it's fiction within fiction. Well, and I'm just saying that. Even, uh, oh, even there, they can't buy that that she's going to stand up, sing one song, and the aliens are running away. Even the fictional characters aren't buying it at that one point. <laughs> yes, because but like I said, the, the, I was, at least the explanation of that specific song makes a little bit more sense. A little bit more sense. Okay, yeah, maybe a hair. <laughs> one of my hairs, a really thin one. <laughs> That's why I like the Nadesco answer more, where it's like, okay, you like Ekinginger as well? So what? We're going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, in later Macross series, we started meeting up with aliens uh, who had their own music, and uh, if the humans started playing tunes at them to try and break their spirit... They just crank it up. Yeah, there's nothing like some hardcore Iron Maiden that stops the war. <laughs> or Firebomber. It became a running joke for a while. In, uh, in, in Macross Frontier, the most recent uh, installation, uh, that's pr- pretty much precisely what happens. Is they find a heroine who can sing and control the uh, alien hordes. And what happens is the alien hordes just start hanging out for the concerts. <laughs> Doesn't actually fix anything in the long run. Just makes things worse. Well, there, there you go. You hear that here also, first. The entertainment industry cannot stop wars. Hollywood, stop trying. And I think Hollywood is responsible for starting more wars than they ever have ended. <laughs> yes, but I think that that's the end message, that the entertainment industry can stop a war. I think that's what the end message is supposed to be, but not really. And thankfully we have Team America World Police to respond to that notion. <laughs> I don't think Tim saw that movie. <laughs> no, I don't think I would. In that fact, movie has the honor bound not to see it. That movie has the greatest moral of all time, and I'm I can't spoil it. You have to see it to hear what the moral <laughs> message is. I'll put it on my to do list, but <laughs> no promises. Yes. Well, it sounds like we're winding down them across since we we've covered all the basic points and all the uh, a little bit more of the complexities, including. Voice actors, schedules, timelines, salads. Salads. So uh, I think we're sort of winding. It keeps on on living, that pineapple joke. (laughs) Yes. So I I think we got to wrap this up, guys, before we start going into more of the intricacies of Macaross, as the uh, lead singer says it. Unless Neil has some comments on SD Macross. Oh, super deformed across. Yes. My only comment on that is that it's funny, and you should find it on YouTube and watch it. I've seen the role-playing game, believe it or not, for super deformed Macross. <laughs> we believe it. We believe it, and that's uh, that's and us wrapping. On, on the internet, you can find anything. Yes, and uh, that's us wrapping it up. Uh, the, once again, this is me, your host Ben, and TV's Mr. Neil. Tim, you're on. And Tim. All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Good night. Goodbye.